question comes to mind, how can I be successful spiritually? How can I be successful spiritually? The bottom, the bottom line is simply this. When you commit your heart to the Lord, you're successful. When you, when you and, and your heart is not, is not uh, going for anywhere else. I mean, you don't want to talk about you. God, I'm yours. I'm sold out. I am sold out. There's nothing else that's going to get in my way except the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I have to do all these other things. I know that's life, and, and we, have to, we, we know what life is all about. But uh, when I can be successful spiritually, then I've committed my heart to the Lord. As, we've, as we begin every year, a new year, we, we set goals. Many people set goals for themselves. They have New Year's resolutions, all of those things, wishing to accomplish uh, certain things in the upcoming year. As a church, our, our goal always should be that we need to commit every year to grow stronger, to grow deeper uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in our relationship with the Lord. And one of the, the, the chief ways of doing that is we've done this every year. We commit ourselves to, to days of fasting. We commit ourselves to days of, of prayer. I know prayer is one of those things that we probably need to do all the time, and we, we should do that all the time. But fasting is not something that probably we, we do enough, I guess, as an as a, as a individual. And so every year at the beginning of the year, you know already that we call our church to a corporate fast. There was a guy that was from the theological seminary, a fuller theological seminary, that made this statement. He said, he said, fasting is the most tangible and practical way of surrendering to God and allowing the Holy Spirit more control over our lives. Now, there's an important word there, that word control, because we like to be in control. We like to say what we're going to do, and we like to say where we're going to go, and we like to say what we're going to, not going to do, and all those kind of things. But when we fast, it's the most practical way, this guy says, to allow the Holy Spirit to have more control over our lives. He said this, he said, by giving up food, the very sustenance of life during a fast, control over one's own existence is surrendered and offered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that throughout this week, this past week, that you've chosen to push away from the table a little bit. I, I, I pray that you've, you've given up some things. I pray that you've surrendered yourself. So this morning, I want to talk to you this morning concerning this. What, and, and, and what about prayer? What about fasting? We've talked about this all, all the time. But I, as a refresher a course in, in the sense, what, it, what about this prayer and fasting? And is it possible for me to have a wrong attitude when it comes to fasting? Is it possible for me to have a right attitude when it comes to fasting? I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 58. Look at, look at verse number 1. And let me show you some things here of what was taking place here. Fasting, this, this, this chapter is talking about that pleases God. Isaiah 58 one says this, Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people of their transgressions. And the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation and that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of judgment. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen us? I want you to get this picture here. These people here is, is talking to God here. God, we fasted. We've done these things, but you've not, you've not saw us. 
Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, the day of your fast you shall you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? An acceptable day of the Lord. Is this not a fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to the house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. I want you to notice the scripture this morning. Through prayer and fasting... We demonstrate that our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in our lives. Before you can begin a time of prayer and fasting, it's important for you to understand, number one, what you're doing. We all have done diets before. But if you don't understand prayer and fasting, that's all you're going to be doing. and You're just going to be dieting. If you don't understand the importance of fasting coupled with prayer, then that's all you're going to be doing. So what does it mean? Very simply, I want you to notice this. Fasting simply means to be so consumed with something. To be so consumed with something that it becomes more important than food. I'm so consumed with something that that food doesn't bother me. It doesn't enter my mind anymore. Therefore, as a believer, as a Christian, we set food aside in order to concentrate during this 21 days on, on seeking God about a certain situation or about our personal life. When you look at biblical fasting, it means more than just abstaining from food, though. It means to abstain from food in order to concentrate upon the Lord and to answer to a particular, to get an answer to a particular matter or all those kind of things. You already know that there's several different methods of fasting that were practiced in biblical times. You, you understand that I give you a sheet, that you've read that sheet, and I give you all those examples. There's a normal fast in which just a person is abstained from all food, whether it's solid are liquided, but not from water, usually to prepare for, for some significant event that, that possibly comes up. There's a partial fast that sometimes where people enter into a, a partial restriction of a diet, not, a, not necessarily a total fast, but a partial fast. There's an absolute fast, and, and during, most of the time during a short, relatively short period of time that people abstain from, from food and water to discern what God is saying in their lives. There's private and corporate fast that we do that we're involved in right now that, that, is not, that is usually not necessarily a private affair, but at times the people of God come together for a public fast or a corporate fast. Matter of fact, you can find this in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 37. Matter of fact, you can find there's a fast in the Bible concerning 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, concerning a national emergency. And for even seeking God's guidance in prayer, Ezra 8, 21. 
21 says this, There by the Hehefa Canal, I, pro- I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask Him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. And so we have several different demonstrations here of fasting within the Scriptures. But if we have to fast, we understand we need to couple prayer along with fasting. Christians, I know you know this, but Christians are not the only ones who fast. Matter of fact, you don't have to fast for a religious reason. There's a lot of fast that goes on in our land today. Some people fast for political reasons. You saw them on television. They'll sit out and they'll lock arms because of a political reason. They're not going to eat. They're not going to drink because something is not going right in the government that they want to go right. Hello. And they'll have to remove them. They fast for political reasons. They, they fast whether they, they deem it unethical or not. Some people fast as a means of protest, of getting their way to raise awareness of something. This is sometimes referred to as a hunger strike, if you will. But biblical fasting is always an attempt to seek God's favor or to seek God's direction and is always accompanied by prayer. If you are fasting during this 21 days for a particular reason, it's fine to do that. But ultimately, all time of prayer and fasting should be for you and I to gain a closer relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why we do it. We fast to do that. Matter of fact, in Ezra 8, 23, it says, So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3, the Bible says that while they were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. So after they fasted, after they prayed, they placed their hands upon him and they sent them off. Matter of fact, Jesus himself, the Bible said, spent times of prayer and fasting. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, and he fasted and he became very hungry. And even Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, he assumed that his followers would fast because he said this, and when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, don't make it obvious. As the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and look uh, dis- uh, upheavaled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth that it is only reward, it is, it, is, it is the only reward that they will ever get. Matter of fact, there's a guy by the name of James Duncan who was preaching one night, they said, with great power and great authority and great unction. And somebody came and asked him, said, Pastor, what is the secret of such powerful preaching? And he said, the secret is 13 hours of consecutive prayer when I, when I got on my knees before the Lord. And when asked the secret of spiritual power, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, knee work and knee work. Matter of fact, Livingston on two different occasions, they said, preach with such power that each service of 500 was converted. Both sermons was preceded by a night in prayer. Charles Finney another great evangelist after spending a day in the woods of prayer and fasting they said he preached he preached that night to a congregation of unbelievers and the sermon they said was such a divine power that the whole congregation except one man fell prostrate before the floor and voiced their agony under conviction of sin in such, in such loud outcries that the preacher was forced to stop preaching the message because of the outcries. Can I tell you in America, in Pathway, in Blyville, we need that kind of preaching to happen one more time. We need that kind of unction of the power of the
the Holy Spirit to take place one more time. We need a fresh move of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time for revival in our hearts today. It's time for a fresh fire, a fresh fire that moves through our hearts. We need to stop making our relationship with God a pastime and start making it a priority in our lives. Hallelujah. You say, well, Pastor, I I thought I was doing that. I want to tell you something. We don't need a New Year's resolution this year. We need a New Year's repentance to cause us to focus our hearts and our lives upon the Lord Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah. Why are we weak today, Pastor? Because we have a lack of prayer. Why are we weak today, Pastor? Because we have a lack of fasting. We don't have fasting and prayer like we used to. Oh, yes, we pray. Oh, yes, we fast. But is it like we used to? Does God move like he used to in the old days as we've talked about it many times? And I submit to you that he's not. We'll say, Pastor, what's the problem? Is it you? It may be. But if it is, you pray for me. Come on. But if it's not me, I'm going to pray for you. Hello. But I'm looking for a congregation. I want to be included in that congregation. I'm looking for a body of people. And it don't necessarily have to start here at Pathway. But God, if it's all right, then let it start here. Hello. God, give us power of your, of your authority. Give us the anointing of your word. Let us preach the word, oh God, without, without trying to compromise your faith and compromise the scripture and compromise the religion today. Amen. We got to preach the truth today, whether it hurts or not. Hallelujah. And a lot of these things doesn't come unless we couple prayer and fasting with it. But in saying that, is it possible then for me to have a wrong attitude, Pastor, when I go to fast? The answer is yes. Isaiah 58 1 says this, it opens up. It just simply says, Lord, I want you to, he says, cry aloud. I want you to hear these words. Cry aloud and spare not. In other words, don't hold nothing back. Cry aloud. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgressions. Let let me just get down there where we are. Tell my folks they done done wrong. Quit covering it up. Let my people know they ain't where I need them to be. Quit covering up. Quit sugarcoating everything. That's what he's telling. Cry aloud. Tell my people. Tell the house of Jacob of their sins. One translation says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of thy sins. You know this phrase here, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast, is literally a cry with the throat, to cry out with the throat. I don't know if you've ever had a had an experience of, of having somebody blow a trumpet in your ear. But if you have, you've got a good idea of what God was trying to express to Isaiah. I want you to tell them and I don't want you to be quiet about it. I want you to tell them and I don't want you to whisper about it. I want you to tell them and I want you to be loud. I want you to blow it like you would a trumpet sound. I want you to let them know of their of their fallacies. I want you to let them know of their sins. I want you to let them know of their wrongdoing. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. They pray to God and expect God to give an answer. They act like a righteous nation, he says, that follows God's laws. They come to the temple every day and they seem eager to learn more about God. They seem to think that God really has the grounds to be angry, that God has no grounds to be angry with them. And they think that they've done everything right. In fact, we think they think that, that they have every right to be angry even with God. And they say these things, Lord, why, why have we have fasted before you? Why are you not impressed? We've been hard on ourselves and you don't even seem to notice, oh God. 
They say, Lord, we fasted and we've prayed, but you did not even respond. We sacrificed, but Lord, you didn't bless us. But what's the deal? What's the deal then, Lord? The deal is their attitude. Their attitude stinks. Look at your neighbor and say, change your attitude. The attitude stinks. And the Lord says this. He said, it's because you're fasting to please yourself. Listen, church. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. That doesn't nothing change. Nothing changes with prayer and fasting with you. They weren't fasting to deepen their relationship with the Lord, but only to deepen their own greed. Come on. They weren't trying to get closer to God. They just wanted to see what they could get out of God. Boy, that, 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 doesn't that sound like where we are today? They weren't trying to humble themselves. They were trying to exalt themselves. Look at us, God, and see how spiritual we are. 2 Timothy 3, 5 says this. These kind of folk, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. And such people, he says, turn away from. And from such, turn away from. They will act religious, but they'll reject the power that can make them godly. The scripture says, stay away from people like that. And the Lord tells them, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting? What good is fasting when you keep on quarreling? Hmm, this ain't in my notes, but I got to stop right here. I got to meddle just a little bit. Because if the church intends to grow, if the church intends to strengthen ourselves spiritually... We can't be fasting and praying and still be fighting with one another. We got to be in unity with one another. We got to be unified so the church will be able to grow. We got to strengthen ourselves together. Amen. I can't come into the church and sit on one side and lift my hands and be upset at you on the other side. Come on, somebody. And the Lord says this look, you're going to come and you're going to act religious, but you're going to reject my power. And the Lord says, this kind of fasting will never get you anywhere. True fasting today requires a humbleness of spirit. True fasting today requires a change of the heart. True fasting today requires a change of actions that you are doing. Amen. And so I can have a wrong attitude if I'm not careful. When it comes to prayer and when it comes to fast, I've got to have an attitude of the heart here. Chuck Swindle, many of you know Chuck Swindle. He made this statement. And this is a pretty strong statement. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude in life. Attitude to me, he said, is more important than the facts. <laughs> he said, it's more important than the past. It's more important than education. It's more important than money. It's more important than circumstances. It's more important than failures or successes than what other people think or say or do. Attitude is more important than appearances. It's more important than giftedness or skill. Attitude, he says, will make or break a company. It'll make or break a church or a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that some people act a certain way we cannot change the inevitable but the only thing we can do is play on the one string we have and that is our attitude powerful you know what I'm talking about you get up you get up some days you don't feel like getting up those days right I want to stay in the bed but you still have a choice of what are you going to how are you going to think how are you going to respond how my attitude is going to be you have a you have a decision you, you've got to make I've come across folks and you have to so don't bother me today Mm, it ain't a good day for you to touch me. Ain't a good day for you to even talk to me. Attitude issues. You know what I'm talking about. We work by them every day. We go to school with them every day. 
We, we, you know, anytime you're dealing with public folk, right, Sister Jeanette? Anytime you deal with public folk, you don't know what you're going to get. Come on. You don't know what you're going to get. But for the people of God, we have a choice today, Chuck Swindle said. We've got a choice to change our attitude. We've got a choice to be in the right kind of frame of mind that we need to be in order to win somebody to Jesus Christ. I'm be honest with you. If you've got a bad attitude, I don't even want to hang around you. If I've got a bad attitude, you don't need to hang around me. I just, just must be truthful with one another. Hello. But I, ha- I can change my attitude. Fasting is like a computer. It's, you get out of it what you put in it. Come on, somebody. If you put the wrong information in, don't get upset with the computer because the answer that it gives you, if you want fasting to be successful, you need to be sure that your attitude is right before the Lord. 1 Peter 5 and 5 says this in the same way. You, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God oppresses the proud but shows favor to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you in due time. And so in attitude, we've got to, we've got to seek to know more of God. My attitude has got to say, Lord, I I want more of you. I want more of you. I need more of you. I've got to have more of you. And the prayer many times has got to be this, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Well, that's a serious prayer right there. You got to be careful when you pray that because ain't no telling what God asks of you. Hello. Ain't no telling what God, last week, and I'll just use this little example. Roger and Kathy was there, and Mary, and I can't remember, Mom was there, I think, was, was at the hospital. And we was, and we was visiting Brother Daryl and, 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 and Sister Mary. He was going through his surgery. And I've got to be honest with you, I, I've, I've confessed everything concerning fasting about me that I, to you. You know, I was hungry. I was hungry for specific things. It's not a problem, you know. I don't, I don't usually have that problem, but on, during fast time, it seems like the enemy just puts those things in my mind. And they, I, I, I can almost taste them, Brother Dwayne, in my mouth. And I was sitting there in the hospital, and I was hungry. But I knew I, I didn't promise God I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to tell you all those, but I, that's just what I promised God. I was trying to keep my promise to the Lord. And this lady walks in, and she sits down in the, in the waiting room, and she sits there for a little while, and all of a sudden, she gets to, she talked to us, she said, look, I've been put out of the shelter I've been, I know I've been put out of a home, this preacher, I was renting this home of this preacher, and he put me and my two kids out, and I just need, I don't know what it was, $3 and something cents to get each of them a, a little hamburger french fry, and I'm thinking, hamburger? <laughs> french fries? Anybody like a good hamburger? <laughs> and she said, she's talking, and so, and, and you say what you want to, but the Lord put her there for us. We're fasting. And so what do we do? We, we had, now, I don't know whether she took the money and went out and done whatever, but it, that doesn't matter. The point was, what was I going to do in that situation? And I had to push myself aside and push what I wanted aside in order to be a blessing to somebody else. Are you talk, that's what I'm talking about. True prayer and true fasting will enable your attitude to be of such, I'm going to bless everybody else that's around me. Hello. Now, don't you dare come up to me after church and say, Pastor, I'm hungry for a hamburger. <laughs> and so I've got to say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I'm willing to give up whatever you want me to give up in order to sacrifice to you, oh God. My attitude needs to be a one of total surrender. I've got to surrender our thoughts. We've got to surrender our desires. We've got to surrender our fears. We've got to surrender our sins. We've got to surrender all those kind of things. And then when we understand and do all of that, then the right attitude clicks in. We begin to have a right attitude. That's the kind of fasting God said that I want. 
That's the kind of fasting. One of the great things about God, and you, you know this already, but one of the great things about God is when he tells you what you're doing wrong, he'll, he'll go ahead and tell you how to do it right, doesn't he? He'll tell you how to do it right. After telling the people in the scripture here in Isaiah their attitude was wrong, he, he tells the folks, he said, no, this is, this, 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 this is the kind of fasting I want. I want you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned. I want you to lighten the burden of those who work for you. I want you to let the oppressed go free. I want you to remove the chains that bind people. And so what God is saying to them is that this is the kind of fasting I desire. This is, this is the kind of fasting that will help you grow spiritually. This is the kind of fasting that will give you success spiritually in your life. He doesn't want them to fast so they could, say, uh, they, they could stay in their sin, but to fast in a way that causes them to change their walk, to change their thoughts, to change everything that they need to stay out of sin and to be a better individual. The number one goal, I told you earlier, the number one goal of fasting the number one goal is fast is always to get us closer to the Lord. That's the number one goal. That's the number one goal. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just talking about me. One of the things that I enjoy every day that I look forward to every day is early in the morning when I get up and nobody else is up. That's my time. And I'll get my Bible out and I'll get the scriptures read and I'll look at those things. And I'll be able to pray and I'll just get alone with God when nothing else is going on in the house. You may have it at lunchtime or you may have it at nighttime, all those kinds. But my time is early in the morning, early in the morning. And that's the time where I can get alone with God. And that's where I try to grow with God. That's, why, that's where God tries to build up in me. I don't know what the day is going to hold. And it could be that I need that devotion time and I need that time right there in order to make it through. Throughout that day, amen. Matthew 6 and 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. In other words, the Lord tells us that if we'll fast with the right attitude, then your salvation will come like the dawn, like the morning, and your wounds will be healed quickly. Anybody wounded today that needs healing? Your godliness will lead you forward. The glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. And then when you call, the Lord will answer. He'll say, yes, I am here. And he will quickly reply. If we fast with the right attitude, can I tell you that God will honor that and will not only grow closer to him, but he will also bless us in ways that you and I can't even begin to imagine. Amen. If we fast with the right attitude, God will bring healing to our wounds. If we fast with the right attitude, we'll be able to do things that we never thought would be possible. I want you to notice that the Bible says that your godliness will lead you forward, not backward, but forward, as you grow closer to God and as you draw closer to Him. And He promises that when we fast with the right attitude, we can call upon God and He'll answer us. I love it when God answers. Amen? I love it when God begins to speak. I love it when God begins just to, just to speak to our hearts. Some of you that was here last Monday night, you'll remember what I told you. that I want you to pray. And I want us to go around. There's two or three things that we prayed about. But I said, after you pray about those, then I want you to hush. You remember that? Those of you here, I want you to be quiet. And listen to what the Lord is saying. So many times we, we get caught up in our prayers. There's nothing wrong with that. But we get caught up by the reins and we don't stop long enough to see what God says about it. We, you know, God's got some things to say. Whether he says it with an audible voice and all that or in our spirit, he's got some things to say. And so we need to be quiet long enough to listen to what God is saying. Read this story this past week about two members of a, of a, of a same church that was participating in this 40-day fast, 40-day prayer and fasting. Uh, you know, seeking God. The, the church was going through that. And one of the women 
badly needed a kidney transplant. And at the end of this 40 day of, of prayer and fasting, the other woman felt strong that God was leading her to donate her kidney to this other woman. When, she, when they'd done this, people couldn't understand why, you know, you know because they're not family and, and what, 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 do, what do they owe one another? They're not family or anything like that. They were not even friends before that, but one was, matter of fact, they said one was even white and one was black. And, and her response was simply this. She said, look, she has a need that God has given me the ability to take care of. That's what loving each other is about. That's what loving one another, that's what loving God is all about. But after that fourth time of prayer, of fasting, and 40 days, then she felt at liberty because her mind was in tune with what God is saying. Fasting with the right attitude. It'll bring success because it'll bring success in you because it'll change you. It'll change you. It'll change you. It'll change you the way that you think because, because you'll be filled with God's thoughts. See, sometimes... I got stinking thinking. How about you? Sometimes I got some thoughts that just runs across that I, that, that I shouldn't think about. You know, and so I got some stinking thinking going on. And I've got to have God to take care of some things. This time of 21 days of prayer and fasting is a time of God coming in and purifying me, taking and cleansing some stuff in my life and in your life as well. And God said, Pastor, all this talk about prayer, you really believe those things can take place? Yes, I do. I would be preaching it to you this morning. You want to have a success in your walk with God? Then commit it to prayer and fasting. Commit to God. Push away for some stuff that you're accustomed to. Amen. Do away with some things that you're accustomed to every day. See how it bothers you. See how it affects you. See how temptation will come and say, Oh, you know, I, I, I really want that or I really want that. Understand, I've got to commit and I've got to, I've got to crucify the flesh in order to get where God needs me to be from time to time. So fasting will change you. It'll change the way you act because you'll be spirit-filled and not self-filled. I want the musicians to come if they will. I'm going to close with this. I want to stop right here just a second. So often in our walk with God, so often in our walk with God, we get, we get self-filled and not spirit-filled. If there's ever a time that we need God to move and to work and orchestrate our life, it's now. We can't allow self to get in the way. Self has to, has to get out of the way. It has to get out of the way. Those desires, Sister Jeanette, that I have, I want this, I've I, I got to get that out of the way, I've got to crucify that. And I know we laugh about it and all those kind of things, and I've told you, you know, during the fast, people invite you out to eat, and, all, and that all true, that all, that all happens. But Brother Raines, I've got to crucify that stuff. I've got to get rid of that stuff. My flesh can't be priority. My flesh can't be priority. God has to be priority. He has to be priority in my life. If I want to obtain from him, if I want to gain strength from him, if I want to gain insight from him, if I want to gain direction from him, if I want to gain healing from him, then I've got to allow God to take take me and do me what he wants to do with. Change me. Fasting with the right attitude will bring success to you. Your eyes will begin to see the things of God. Your ears will begin to hear the things of God. I honestly believe that through fasting and prayer, that during that time, if you do it the right way, that your spirit will become sensitive to the Lord's Word more than ever has been before. More than ever has been. It becomes sensitive to what God is speaking. You'll wake up at night and and there'll be a thought in your mind. Don't dismiss that. Don't dismiss it because God may be trying to talk to you. 
You'll be driving down the road and a voice will come and you'll where did that come from? Don't dismiss those things as just whatever. No, God may be trying to speak. Let God speak. Open your heart up. Open your life up to allow God to speak. You may be have sitting here in the last two or three weeks and you've heard me preach about prayer and fasting and you're not saved and, and, and you're not doing the things that you need to do and not committed your heart right to the Lord. And, but when God comes in, don't dismiss those things as just, oh, it's just this or it's just that. No, no, no. God is trying to, trying to get through to you. Your eyes will see things that they have, don't usually see. Your ears will hear things they don't usually hear. Your mind will comprehend things of God. Fasting with the right attitude will bring a spiritual success because you will be surrendered unto the Lord. Jesus will be the center of your life. little song we sing, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it. And that's really where it is. Jesus needs to be at the center. He will be your sustenance. He will be your existence. Matter of fact, Jeremiah 29 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I want you to notice what that scripture says. You'll seek me and you will find me. But Jeremiah says, when you seek me with all of your heart. All of my heart has to seek him. Everything about me has to seek him. Fasting with the right attitude is like a good strong cup of coffee. If many of you like coffee. It'll wake you up. Sometimes it'll shake you up and it'll take you up. Especially if you drink caffeine. But I'll tell you, Fasting with the right attitude is even better than a good strong drink of coffee because the Lord will take you into places, into areas that you've not imagined before. So the question is this, as they begin to play and sing, are you ready this morning to seek God with your whole heart? Are you ready to depend upon God to be your sustenance? Are you willing to sacrifice this week, this coming week, what is your fast this week? Have you changed it up? Are you staying the same? What is it? If, if that's it, then don't deviate from it. Now, here's another thing I need to tell you before I go. If you've determined to fast and you may have messed up, don't get down on that. Don't let the enemy mess your mind up with that stuff. Don't let him do it. He will. Oh, you might as well just not go ahead and, you know, you've messed up, so you might as well just forget the rest. No, no, no. Don't let the enemy mess you around with it. You just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I, just, I blew it. And, and continue with what God has, has put in your heart. Are you willing to sacrifice this week so that you and I can have great, a great power and authority and anointing in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because here's the thing. God is waiting for our reply. God is waiting for you. God is waiting for your answer. What are we willing to do? What kind, of, what, kind of, what kind of consecration am I willing to do? What kind of setting aside am I willing to do in order to get alone with God? You have to plan it because if you don't plan it, everybody else will. You have to plan it because if you don't, I mean, the, you'll get phone calls. People will call you that ain't called you in six months. And they'll just want to talk during your prayer time. Put them off. I remember as a young, young grandson growing up, my, my dad's mom, my granny as we called her. I've heard, heard Dad tell this story several times that when, when, people, when the kids or family members would come and visit their house and it happened to be on a Sunday, Brother Roger, she would make this statement. said, well, I'm going to church. Y'all can stay here if you want to or you can come to church with me, but I'm going to church and I'll see you when I get out of church. Now, this is what we do today. I'm going to stay with you. We'll just skip church and we'll just do this. Pastor, why would you have to get on that? I'm just being real with you. 
That's how we are today. That's the kind of decision. But that generation, mm -mm, church, God was important. It meant life or death to them. Visiting could wait. And, we, and when times we push aside the things that's important, thinking they'll always be there, and they won't. Samson woke up one day, and he didn't even know. The presence of God, the power of God had left him. Didn't know it. Many times my prayer said, Lord, I don't, don't, don't let that happen with me. There's times I get so caught up, and some of you ministers that's in here, you know what I'm talking about, I get so caught up in ministry things. In ministry details, in ministry stuff, that I miss out on my relationship with my father. And I've missed it. I've missed it. I talked to a couple this past week that sat in my office. And I made this statement to them. I said, I'm going to tell you guys something. They don't go to this church. So I'm going to tell you something. When everything else takes precedence over your relationship with God, you've messed up. Even if your family takes precedence over God, you've messed up. God needs to be number one. God needs to be number one in our life today. Listen to me. Now, I went also, because we, we was talking about some family issues, and I told him the church doesn't take precedence over your family. Family comes first. Are you hearing me today, church? I don't, I don't have time to explain all of that. But God created the family first. But God says, don't put nobody else in front of me. I need to be number one. And, and when we get those priorities in the right place with our attitudes, all those kind of things, you talk about a spiritual success, yes, we will. We'll have success spiritually because I've allowed God to be number one. And he's directing me. He's ordering my footsteps. He's doing the things, Sister Ruth, that, that he, he needs me to do or I'm doing that he needs me to do. I'm sensitive. I'm listening to the voice of God. I want you to bow your heads.